I also didn't like her um, in-game wig, the red and blonde. Oh, that was yeah. Not, that was not cute. Yeah. She doesn't get many good wigs. Winter Soldier was really the only good wig. <laughs> mm-hmm. That first wig she had in like Iron Man 2. Oh, the mop. <laughs> yes. The red mop exactly. was not giving. I had never heard of being called a mop before, but that's exactly <laughs> what it gets. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I when I first saw it, I thought, you know that the dog that looks like the mop. Yes. <laughs> yes. Immediately what I thought of when I first saw the wig all those years ago. Like immediately was my first thought. Yeah. It, it never got too much better. Don't gotta worry about that now. Did you like Welcome back to another episode of another relaunch. What's up, y'all? I am LZ. Hello, everybody. I am Keenan. Yo, how are you doing today, Keenan? I'm doing all right. It's um, it's been raining here in the district, which oh. has been fantastic. Because oh. I don't know, I don't know if we talked about this. You might have seen me tweeting about it, but my allergies have been like kicking my ass for the last two weeks or so. And when I get allergies, like badly, I cannot stop sneezing and my eyes are on fire. <laughs> like just red, watering, itchy, like I'm like dying. And I and I don't like putting eye drops in. I'm kind of like afraid of the drops hitting. What? <laughs> 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 <It's> a... <clears throat> so really quick, we're gonna get to these comments really quick. I have a quick story about that actually. So I was like, I went to San Francisco one year for my birthday, right? And it was like me, two of my homeboys and this guy I was dating. And San Francisco is a beautiful city, but it is full of pollen. And I was dying to the point we actually were outside at certain points. And they were asking, they're like, do you need to go back in? And I'm like, no, because I have to see this city. So in the <laughs> allergy medicine is crazy expensive out there. It was like 50 bucks. Oh, yeah. 50, 50 American dollars for some eye drops. <laughs> but <laughs> I got some store brand. And so I get these eye drops and I cannot put them in my eye. And the guy who I was dating, he's like, what is wrong with you? He's like, grow up. These are just eye drops. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I need your help. So he's trying to help put them in, but I like keep moving my face. <laughs> Are you just afraid of it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm just like, stop, stop. I'm like, you're, I'm like, you're moving too fast. He's like, you are a grown man. So he's like, grab me. He's like trying to wrestle me down and put these eye drops in my eye. And my friends like come in the room and they're like, are you okay? And I'm just like, help. And he's like, he's grown. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was that eye drops. I can't do it. West Coast well, is beautiful, though. We're going to need to figure out something for you in them sinuses and all that. So, yeah, I mean, the rain, like, that's what I'm saying. The rain is here now, so it's washing it all away. Okay. So I'm fine. I'm fine. But hopefully it stays that way. You know, rainy days are nice, too, because I like to end up just being cozy and put on some sweatpants and stuff and read comic books. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So uh, let's get on up into those of the week first up on the list is uh, the other history of the dc universe and uh this book is written by john ridley with uh, art by giuseppe Comins uh, coley and i have to admit that mm-hmm. i didn't finish this <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh no why i i know uh, why 
honest. It was like too much about her being a cop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know what? I let me take a break yeah. of this. It's already really dense of a read. Yeah. Like it's really it's already really dense. So let me take a break from this and then I will go back and come back to it after I finish some other books. I just never came back to it. <laughs> um so I'm not gonna lie to you, I actually skipped this issue. Oh, okay. I, I, I personally like just genuinely do not like Renee Montoya. This, uh, fair. She's just not, yeah, you know, and it's kind of like she's just not a character that does it for me. I've really only paid attention to her when she was dating Batwoman. She's not dating Batwoman anymore, so it's kind of like mm-hmm. I don't got nothing else for you. I will be back for the next issue though because that is Thunder. Oh, oh, so Thanks I think it. I saw that. That's the last issue. Yeah. Oh, is it? Oh, I think so. Because there's yeah. a couple more characters who could use this. I think it's just a mini, and like I think that will be the yeah. last one, which I think is kind of interesting that he started with Black Lightning and is ending with with Thunder. Yeah, that's my girl. I'm excited for that one very much so. Yeah. All right. So well, I'm kind of well, well, kinda... the, I was about to say the parts that you read though. What would you rate it so far of what you saw? I mean, it it wasn't that it was like bad or anything like that. It wasn't for me as deep as the previous issues, I will say that, like, from what I read, it wasn't as good as the other characters' deep dives they were kind of going on. Um, This one just really dives deep into Gotham and the crime and uh, what it's like to just kind of want to be a police officer. And there were moments about her being a Catholic and, like, growing up Catholic. um, Mm -hmm. And specific, I think, like, Latin... Latino and Cap, uh, Latina, I'm sorry, and mm-hmm. Catholic, and how that affected her with her sexuality, and mm-hmm. how she really kind of faked the funk to appease her parents, and mm-hmm. that part was kind of interesting. But um, other than that, like, I was like, once you move past that, she's just back to being a cop. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and that's all. I don't need none of that. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, moving right on. The next issue is uh, Mr. Miracle, the Source of Freedom, number one, by Brandon Easton and Fico Asio. Okay. So, I'm a big Mr. Miracle fan. I don't know if I've ever said that. I don't know if you know that. Um, Scott I, and Barbara. I knew you liked Barda, but I didn't know it also carried over with Scott. Scott is like, Scott and Barbara, excuse me, are like probably one of my top three favorite comic book couples of all time. And their stint during the Justice League uh, International, where they were kind of like, it was basically a look into their home life, retired superheroes, but still having the superheroes. It's just really fun. They're fantastic. And so Shiloh is actually the second Mr. Miracle. However, he's always been around Scott and Barda. So quick recap for those who don't know Shiloh. He was taken in by a man named Thaddeus Brown. Thaddeus Brown is the guy who trained Scott Free how to be a escapologist. He used to be a escapologist named Mr. Miracle. When Thaddeus was killed, Scott avenged him and took up the name Mr. Miracle. Shiloh was around, so he would help Scott and Barter on missions. He found out because he was an orphan that he had a brother that he didn't know about, and then the brother was killed. So he went to go and try and kill him. Yeah, I know, right? It's depressing. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> <laughs> so then he went to go and kill the person who like killed his brother but Scott and Barda stop him and basically Scott then trains him how to be an escapologist he becomes a celebrity using the name Mr. Miracle to be like a famous 
escape for artists. Um, and so we hit this issue here and he's like still celebrity. The issue starts off, he is basically trying to escape from chains after he's just been dropped from like a space shuttle and he's mm-hmm. plummeting to earth to try and save himself. And so he does this show, but they he's meeting with his managers and they're telling him how numbers are down, pay-per-view numbers are through the roof, but like people aren't buying the toys anymore. We're doing certain things. He meets a girl. He like asks her out on a date. That's so the commentary they're trying to make there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, the agent has to come to the girl he meets to be tell her how Shiloh wants to take her on a date, but she has to like be ready to date a celebrity. And then they're also kind of dealing with this stuff of like, well, if you are going down in kind of popularity, how are we going to let people know who you are? And they say maybe we should reveal your mask. But then they talk about how. Do we want people to know that Mr. Miracle is a black guy? And so we start talking about kind of the race relations of just like everything that's been going on. There's some callbacks to say her name and I can't breathe and things in there. And he talks about, you know, just do I want that pressure of being this black man as Mr. Miracle? Um, the issue actually ends because someone has been uh, basically slandering his name out in the public. They've been uh, saying that he's a liar, that his act is stolen, he's a fraud. He does like an interview and they hack the systems and it shows Mr. Miracle is a fraud, his entire act is stolen. So when he gets to this place, he gets attacked. The guy who attacks him, he says, you're uh, not the real Mr. Miracle. Everything that you know came from Scott Free. It belongs to me. I am the son of Scott and Barga. Oh, snap. Okay. Yeah, right? Oh, okay. and so I'm pretty sure I have to go back and read it. But in Tom King's Mr. Miracle series, series Barda was pregnant. Oh, so. oh yeah, I think I do remember a, a seeing some panels or something like that on yeah. Twitter. Someone posted of her being like, "Oh, I'm pregnant," and Scott being like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got. So I don't know if we're like got some. We probably got some future stuff going on. So it should be exciting. Okay. I like it. I mean, I'm a, again, I'm a Shiloh fan. I like Mr. Miracle. The Sun thing really kind of threw me for a loop. I was not expecting that at all. So I'm going to stick with it. Three out of five. The art is cool. Um, I think the panels where he's escaping from the space shuttle and like his chains and some of that's really nice. His faces are a little off every now and again, mm. but it's nothing like too bad. Okay. All right, y'all. Well, check that out if you're fans of Mr. Miracle. All right, up next is Action Comics number 1031 by Philip Kennedy Johnson and Daniel Semperi with a Midnighter backup by Decky Cloonan and McConan Conrad, Michael Conrad, sorry, uh, with Michael Avon Omeng on art. I'm becoming a Superman fan. Whoa, hold on. <laughs> okay, that's actually not true. That's not true. Um... Hold on. <laughs> I am becoming a fan of the world that Superman operates in. Okay. Okay. So, if you remember at the end of the last issue, Mongol had some warships that were coming to Earth. Superman and John uh, beat the warships back, but Superman finds some people in one of the ships, and she speaks Kryptonian. So, in this issue, they save the Kryptonians, quote-unquote, they send the warships back, and then Superman and John take them to the fortress to kind of, like, hold them there and start figuring out what's going on. 
when Superman goes back to the ship that's been destroyed, it's at the bottom of the ocean, so he calls it the Atlanteans come in. Um, Aquaman's there, Volko's there, Merc is there. It's fantastic. Okay. <laughs> it looks beautiful. Um, and so they basically tell uh, Superman about how they the ship is very old and raggedy. They're shocked that it even got to Earth, but they found this ruined stone in the ship's hold that's basically powering it and they're saying this is something that is super powerful we need to study it it could actually help so superman's like oh i want to take it and volko's like absolutely not and they tell him how anything that has been found in atlantean territory belongs to the atlanteans (laughs) okay (laughs) and they're like the only reason we're actually showing you this is as a favor to aquaman (laughs) i don't know like they're like, you guys are friends, so we thought we should let you know that this was here. We are still going to take it, and we're going to like study it and find out how we can use its power, probably for Atlantis. Um, but they do let Superman know that there are some prisoners who were still in the ship that are like still alive. He goes to talk to them. Apparently, they want to fight him. They also seem to be prisoners of Mongo some sort. But he's like, I'm not going to fight you. There's this actually really nice panel of one of the monsters kind of punching him and headbutting him, and Superman's just standing there. And then they show the monster, and his like head split open. It's oh, like, okay. I was like, come on, Superman, non-violent, super strong man. You ain't got to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the issue basically ends with the girl who he found who was speaking Kryptonian. She wakes up in the Fortress of Solitude. She starts running around and she's like screaming and crying. And we find out that Mongol, she has a Kryptonian brand mark on her hand, like the Superman S. And we get a flashback to Mongol basically branding her and some of the other prisoners and telling them, I'm going to send you all to Earth to meet Superman so we can put my plan into motion. And she then they show her like crying and she's anguished. It's really sad. Beautiful hmm. to look at though. Like Daniel Samperry's art is fantastic. Like fantastic. Again, this is the guy who drew the, I'm, I think I say this every time. This is the guy who drew the Aquaman Future State issue with Jackson and Andy. Oh, those are pretty. Yeah, like what he brings to this. And of course you still got the story of John kind of dealing with his future knowledge that Superman is supposed to die soon. And he's like worried about that. He even says, he's like, you look shaken up about certain things. Superman's like, yeah, they're speaking Kryptonian. <laughs> um, then there's also the backup, the Midnighter backup, which is what I really came to this book for. And that okay. is dealing with a Midnighter from the future, from the future state future has come to the present to kill this guy whose tech he has in his brain. It's very complicated. Okay. Time travel, you know how I feel about it. But it's Moon Knight, Mid Moon Nighter. I keep doing that. <laughs> it's Midnighter, and it's very good because I think it's one of the first times we've gotten a deeper look into Midnighter's head. He's kind of telling him, he's like, you know, Apollo knows that something is wrong. You're once again doing this thing. You're like hiding from people. You're frustrated. You're trying to use violence to solve your issues. And Midnighter's like, no, this is just what I like to do. We'll get to the Apollo issue when it becomes an issue. Then by the end of the issue, Apollo's like, there's an issue. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Apollo shows up? Yeah, he's a, they're like together. Oh, okay. Well, now I got to probably jump in. Yeah, he's not doing too much uh he just but staying around again he he can tell that something is going on with midnighter that he's hiding some secrets apollo even said that he's like i can see you taking like a sudden interest in this guy you're watching all these interviews with him you're talking to yourself like you're sneaking out at night you're not talking to me what's going on and midnighter's like it's not the right time apollo's like well there needs to be a right time um which i think you'll appreciate because you uh, you know you love that in a couple (laughs) 
Uh, but Midnight is kind of like, no, I'm still not going to do it. And he goes off. So it's a really nice story. I, I've never read too much by Becky Cloonan, um, but she always seems like she writes things that I would be interested in. She wrote Moon Knight for a little bit, too. That's why I keep saying Moon Knighter. Um, and you Moon Knight stuff? I did. It was nice. And she 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 has great art. Um I'm did she do Mother Panic? I feel like she did Mother oh, Panic. I'd was that her? Oh no, 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 no. That was Jody Hauser. That was Jody Hauser. How mm, Jody Hauser should come back to the books. Where is she at? What's she doing right that now? Was, those are good. That, those that. Are, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that they, they, they have similar styles to me, writing wise. Jody Hauser and Be- Becky Coon. And so she's cool. It's good. It's midnight. Mm. We'll rate the book. Four out of five, for both. Okay. Good story, good art in both. I may start picking that up because Superman was kind of getting a little cosmic, and you know I'm liking that. So. It is. <laughs> but again, I'm also hoping all of this kind of leads to the Superman and the Authority book. That'll be nice. Oh yeah. All right, y'all, check that out if you're trying to get some Superman action. Up next is Robin Number 2 by Joshua Williamson and uh, what's the artist on this? Uh, Glebe Melenkov? I think that's how you pronounce your last name. Apologies if I didn't. I wish when they used to put things in comic books on how to pronounce the artist and writer's name. Do you remember when they used to do that? Yeah, yeah, the phonetics, yeah. The good old days. (laughs) Um, And I did read this, and I am a fan. It's ahead. really good. It's a good it's one. really good. I don't even like Damien like that, but it's good. Yeah. So this book opens with Damien being resurrected, and we're learning about the island and how it's Lazarus Island. No one can die on it. Um, and uh, there's they're setting up the rules of what is going to happen on the island. Pretty much everyone gets three lives. After that, you are dead for real. <laughs> um, and. I guess that was all Damien needed to hear <laughs> because uh, he got right to work and started <laughs> <laughs> killing everybody he saw. Um, and yeah, I thought the action in this was was great. I think this might turn me into a fan of Rose Wilson. I thought I was you don't like Rose. I know it's not that I didn't like her; it's that I just okay. never really read a lot of stuff with her in it. I'm about to say, Rose is given. Okay, because if you got some suggestions, give it to me, because I don't. I will. It's just, I've I mean, obviously. Deathstroke runs, mm-hmm. and I've liked her in it, but again, I've just haven't read a lot of stuff with her in it. She had. She was a big part of John's Titans run, obviously. That's where she became like Ravager. Uh, she right. had a lot of stuff before that. The priest Deathstroke run, she was had a good thing, but you know, they've also kind of changed her personality throughout the different time jumps and crossovers and crises and things like that, yeah. but. She's, she still kind of remains the same as that she's a badass. She's got precognitive abilities, which come in handy a lot. There was I can never remember the book. I'm pretty sure it was a Titans issue. But they show her in a fight, and she's getting flashes of what the enemy's about to do right before they do it. And so she stops, like, she uses her powers like that. It's really dope. Okay. Yeah, I think she, I thought she was really dope in this, especially trying to get Damien to get his head out of his own ass. And, <laughs> you know, she's you know, I, like, I, like, I like a character with some common sense. um flatline is in this and how did you feel about their relationship with robin do you Um, feel like do you feel like there's something that could be budding between the two of them or do is it going to be this whole like revenge 
or like no. a frenemies thing. I think it's gonna be frenemies. Yeah, maybe I, a little bit of love in there. You know, yeah. Robin needs the love interest, and I think Flatline Flatline was created specifically for this. Well, oh, okay. She, yeah, I think so. No, I had never heard of her before this. I'm pretty sure I said Brett. She was a brand new character who's like created to be like his person or enemy or whatever for this issue. So she's fun. They're kids. We all know why I'm here. I know why you're <laughs> We all know why I'm here, and that is Mr. Connor Hawk. Yeah, <laughs> he, he had a great showing in this. <laughs> and he looked good. He looked good. I yeah. am so excited. I can't wait. And I think, so this was issue two. Williams has said on his Twitter, he was like, issue three is where Connor is, like, finally coming to life. And we're getting okay. a bit of spotlight on him, and he joins the story more, because he's supposed to be helping Robin, I guess, take down whoever is running the stuff the island yeah and we <laughs> get that rundown of all the different players on the island and some of them were were kind of cool but the last one told was you know connor and it was he is <laughs> the real one you want to be worried about so i'm interested to see this i have no like history of connor outside of some <gasps> of the things we've seen before yeah oh my gosh we're gonna have to do a character panel on connor hawk oh my yeah. gosh i'm very excited because this is going to force me to go back and read all of my green lantern i mean green lantern green arrow <laughs> Nancy, don't make that face <laughs> i mean talking about I, the green lantern <laughs> one green lantern book that i've ever heard was good you know what let's keep moving <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to talk about that right now uh, what would you rate this book I'll read this another four. Loki, DC's kind of killing it with some of these books. Loki. <laughs> they can't get a lot of things right organizationally, but when the talent gives, it gives. Yeah. I'm here for it. This is definitely a four out of five for me. I would give this a 3.5 out of five. Okay. Um, really into it. Almost a four, but I think I would like a little bit some of the de- designs on the characters i'm not that into and some of the like art i wasn't that into the art the art has a very specific style um but i like it i'm really into it i think it's super kinetic Mm -hmm. up next is heroes reborn number four by jason aaron james (laughs) and uh the another additional story by jason aaron and ed mcginnis so you tell us about this. Yeah. I'm gonna you catch still this not, You still not reading. You still not reading Heroes Reborn. That's crazy. That's like so <laughs> crazy to me. I'm not. It's like I'm so catch good. This, like when it hits Marvel Unlimited. <sighs> that feels like it's too long. I feel like this is something. So let me let me tell you right now. The first few issues were kind of dealing, getting into the whoever Heroes Reborn and like seeing the heroes and where they are. So these next few issues have been all about the Squadron Supreme, and we're getting to know them and who they are and stuff like this. This character, Doctor Spectrum, who this issue is about, he's kind of their Green Lantern as person. Mm-hmm. He's got the, but the like first panel was talking about how space is a lawless place, and there needs to be somebody to have law and order and like implement things, and that person has to be them. And the panel is them shooting Thanos in the hand <laughs> to like get the ring off. <laughs> okay. And the rest of the issue is just crazy, like that. He fights this giant rocket infused star brand type of monster being. And the second story is about the star brand baby. 
I'm not going to lie to you. That was one of the Jason Aaron arcs I did not read of Avengers. Because I think I said it before, the way the arcs were set up, you could kind of jump in and out of it. Mm-hmm. And I definitely jumped out during Starbrand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so this is coming back. So I can't really tell you too much about what's going on. But there's a new girl. She is the Starbrand. And she is also in this Heroes Reborn universe. She was found by Groot and Rocket in space. So she was really sad when, obviously, Dr. Spectrum killed this giant rocket thing. And now they're out in space. But they get found by Okoye, who is a part of the intergalactic Wakandan, whatever they've got going on in Black Panther. They're in space. And so... Oh, okay. So that still is existing in Heroes Reborn. Yes, that still exists in Heroes Reborn. And okay. she finds Star Wars Baby. So that's where the issue ends. So it's like we got a lot of insane stuff. I wonder if this also I wonder if they're gonna have a Koye join the Avengers. Post Heroes Reborn, or do you mean uh yes. Okay. I mean just in general, you know, Okoye's kind of been getting up there. She has been. She's been appearing in a lot of things. She's been getting I think she has a miniseries coming out. I was going to ask if I wouldn't be surprised if she did. She was in Taskmaster miniseries. Uh, her, her name is her name is jumping up there. Oh, big thing about Heroes Reborn, we also find out Coulson is pretty much in charge of everything. He's working with Mephesto. <laughs> you know what? I think that they... <laughs> that's only funny because I like that Jason Aaron was like, I'm going to just use Mephesto because why I'm, not? Mephesto's kind of been like doing a lot of stuff. So when Moon Knight. Um, was in the book for his Kanshu arc. They were Kanshu was trying to take over the world because they saw Mephisto doing something like horrible, and they were trying to like prevent it. So Mephisto is the big bad. Probably, and you know the, all that Wandavision talk. Wandavision, Multiverse of Madness. You got to get all those people ready. Mm. If they're coming, Mephisto. <laughs> it's gonna be. I don't fun. know how. How do you feel about Mephisto? I don't. <laughs> he's, um... I don't. He's kind of, I don't know. I just, I like Nightmare. The son. The one that's, like... Nightmare's fun. I like Nightmare, um... But this though's actually kind of fun. Because the, the time when he took his soul back <laughs> from Scarlet Witch and took some kids back and was really sassy about it all, it was kind of funny. I don't know, maybe I need... Oh, wait, that's when he also kind of, like, possessed Wanda and she scratched off Wonder Man's penis, right? No, that's... that was uh, Kathan that possessed her. See, there's too many. I'm a You know? Yeah. She... She, she does a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> that was well, back um, yeah. when they were trying to give her all that chaos magic and she was no longer the girl that just made people slip. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Mephesto. Up next is uh, Beta Ray Bill number three by Daniel Warren Johnson. And uh, who was on art for this? He's also doing the art. Oh, dope. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's writing and drawing. It's fantastic. Like, this is fantastic. I love Beta Ray Bill. Okay. I like, I, 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 I. <laughs> and like, this is just. Pure. So, circling back, at the end of that last issue, they have gone to this realm to try and find a new weapon for 
beta ray bill so he can turn back into a human. He's going to get Odin's power to do whatever he needs to do because he's stuck in like his horse form right now. But the you, the realm has affected his ship Scuttlebutt, so Scuttlebutt now has this humanoid form. She still is completely in t- charge of the ship. She knows what's going on with her hull. She can do all these things, but she's just like, here I am. I have like a shape. And they get into a fight with these big monsters in the realm. They beat them back. Scourge has this giant gun, and he's just like such a ball of fun in this story. Every time Bill's doing something, throwing his weapons, he's just like, yes, he's crying. He's like, this is so beautiful. He's like, we're going to fight. We're going to war. <laughs> he's like, yeah. Um, Scuttlebutt, Scuttlebutt. Scuttlebutt reveals that she has the ability to also now transform the ship. So it's no longer flying in space. She turns into like a battleship so they can float on this lava. But she tells the, oh, you know, the lava is still affecting my hull. So I can't stay in this form for too long. So she turns into a submarine. They got to go through it to reach the like root of the earth, of this planet so they can find this new weapon for Bill. When they get there, there's this giant monster. And then the issue ends. But... Dane Warren Johnson is killing it. It's very energetic. You get a lot of deep looks into Bill as a character. Him and Scuttlebutt kind of have a moment, and she's talking about, you know, what's wrong with you? And he's telling her, I've never seen you like this. I'm a little uncomfortable. I've always just known you as my ship. And while, like, we were always talking, honestly, I didn't see you as a person. He's like, so now seeing you here and knowing that you kind of have this steel form is freaking me out. I don't know what to do. And he's also just dealing with the fact of him kind of not being happy with himself. And Scuttlebutt even says something about that to him. She mentions, you're so down. But she shows him that she has recordings of all the interactions they've ever had. And she tells him, you're this great guy. You don't really need this weapon that is supposed to do whatever to make you be whole. She actually makes him a weapon. Oh. It's fantastic. She makes him this new axe, and he's, like, freaking out over it. He's like, oh, it has battle attachments, and we can do this. <laughs> she's like, yeah, and she's like, we can turn back at any time. You finding this new weapon from Odin, almost getting yourself killed to prove a point, is not necessary. It's a nice moment. It's great Beta Ray Bill. Great Beta Ray Bill is amazing. Okay. Is he going to be in a new Thor movie? I would not be surprised. I remember that there were rumors that people thought that that's who... Okay, uh, I thought uh, Christian, Christian Bale. Yeah, Christian Bale. Bale. Mm-hmm. But they, I think he's Scorch, or, or what's the name of that villain's name? Kor? Some the God Butcher. Oh, uh, Gore. Gore, yeah. My fault. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay. I hope they're hiding the Beta Ray Bill in there. I would not, I don't think you can get too far in the Thor like mythology without bringing up Bay Ray Bill. Right, that's how I feel. But also, I just really want to see how they're going to make him look. Yeah, they probably CGI'd ahead. Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. Marvel CGI aren't always the greatest. They, if they spent the money on it, Thanos looked good when they was up close. Okay. <laughs> 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 Alright, so up next is, well, wait, what would you rate that? Um, it's another four out of five for me. Okay. This, this is this is this is a hot week. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up is New Mutants number eighteen by Vita Ayala and Rod Reese, and I really liked this issue. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know, I was fairly critical of the issue in the the previous issue, the one before the last one, actually where things kind of felt a little rocky and we mm-hmm. kind of weren't really getting clear as far as the 
story elements that were kind of coming together. But I really enjoyed the last issue, and I really, really enjoyed this issue. I feel like Karma doesn't get a lot of attention or any kind of stories about her. That's true. Um, they I've, left her out of the movie. <laughs> exactly. Well, we don't want to talk about that movie anyway. Cause, I mean, we I'm, don't, but we will I'm, when we I'm talk about how they left Karma out. I would, of course, why would I, I would never watch it. I would never watch a Fox X Men film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's what I felt like. Somebody has kidnapped you or something. <laughs> yeah, like I learned my lesson a long time ago. I have not seen a single movie since. What was that? I saw Apocalypse, but that was only because someone took me as a surprise (laughs) (laughs) thinking i would enjoy it so i was we like got there and like as we were pulling up the movie theater i was like oh what what are we here to see i was like i hope you ain't do what you do so if i had my way i wouldn't have seen a movie past what was the one that had blink in it days of future past boom yeah that was probably the last one going anyway let's not turn this into a tangent on them That's a whole other story. Anyway, um, yeah, I feel like karma doesn't get a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, considering that her story in this is following up on a story that I think started, what, back in the 80s? So this opens with uh, karma working in tandem with uh Mirage from Danny Moonstar. And how exactly did their I don't know. I just went with it. (laughs) I I assumed it was because of Danny's supposed to have empathic abilities and then she creates illusions. So I feel like she was tapping into like the emotions and then creating an illusion or something like that. You know, I just went with it. It was was not gonna ask too many questions. (laughs) Maybe they made a circuit. I figured they made a circuit somehow. Is that what that was supposed to be? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. It was, like I said, it was an illusion to me. I just went with it. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Uh, but when we find out that um, basically Karma and her brother are intertwined together and can't be separated. They've tried all different types of psychics. Uh, Jean and Emma together tried to separate the two of them. That didn't work. Xavier, nothing could work. I do appreciate in a story <laughs> where Things like this are spelled out so that the people who are going to ask those inevitable questions can't ask those questions because Mm -hmm. of, you know, why does she have... Obviously, the point of this was was to see Karma go through the crucible and really, like, you know, do that whole thing. But I'm sure people would ask, well, why does she have to go through the crucible if you could have all these powerful psychics on there? So I appreciate that, (laughs) that Mm -hmm. this was, like, pretty much spelled out and on the page. And, yeah, so we pretty much end up seeing uh, Karma go through the Crucible, and she's going through the Crucible with Mirage, but the New Mutants are also watching this, and uh, Cosmar and some of the other, like, New X-Men are watching as well, and Cosmar feels a way about it, which I totally get. Yeah, yeah. If you tell Danny's me, he's a little bit of a hypocrite right here. <laughs> yeah, real. That's my girl, but we got, we got, we got to call her out. She, she tried that, she, and it's like, and again, you get it. Karma is her friend. Like this is somebody she knows. It's not some little random girl coming up to her in the bar. 
Um, but at the same, <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it's like your reasoning, sis. You told me, even if there's such whatever, we can get to the semantics of it. I was getting about to defend Danny on this, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just not even worth it. Like my sis was wrong here. <laughs> yeah, she could have killed that little girl. <laughs> she could have done that. She could have. <laughs> she could have. And giving the girl what she wanted, obviously, because you really see throughout this issue just how much Cosmar wants to change her body and really feels as though no one's really listening to her and yeah. everyone is really giving them the whole be happy, like be happy, grateful, like you're alive, you got your powers, like da 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 da. It's just like no. Don't <laughs> listen to me and what I want. I will say, um, I'm not really, sh- maybe I got to go back and read a few issues. I don't really get the whole, like, body swapping thing that they're doing. I think it's the Shadow King. Uh-huh. Let's let them know that, like, I think he he can do the body swap. And he taught them how to do it. I don't know if he taught them how to do it or if he showed Cosmar how to do it. Maybe she can because she can like bend reality. I don't know, but I think that uh, I think that he like showed them that it's possible for them to do it, and they're just kind of wanting to go back to him and work with it. Okay, maybe I'll go back and because I was I, I just when they were at the body farm, they're like, oh, we got all these bodies we can swap with. I was just like, why are we doing this? <laughs> yeah, I was like, this seems weird. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I think that's weird. just them really. <laughs> <laughs> them really showing the whole like body uh dysmorphia and body like you know not feeling right in one yeah which it's nice to see I, again i know a lot of people have wanted the mutants with more physical mutations that take a bit more of a forefront and kind of like talk about that and how they feel in this place and again that's always been the thing with mutants yes we all have powers but some of us actually look different as well and so how do you play into that I don't actually think I find this story with the kids as interesting as the story with Danny and Karma. I agree. I wasn't sure if it's just because I have a deeper connection to Danny and Karma being a huge New Mutants fan, but I also really like Ramboy and Anole. I don't really care for Scout, though. She was annoying in this. <laughs> but, but I get her whole thing. But I get what the point is. <laughs> right. I understand what her character is. She is supposed to be never-ending happiness and optimism, and she's going through all this stuff. She's supposed to be just a very good-natured child, eager, like, trying to do the right thing. I get it. Yeah, yeah but if I was in that group, I would have been like, girl, if you don't shut your ass up and leave me alone. I, okay. I, Listen, <laughs> I'm doing what I want to do, okay? Manage your business. Like, her heart is in the right place, I understand, but it's like, sister, go talk to your sister. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I do actually also like that um, they brought up the stuff that Laura's been going through. Yeah. From being from in the vault and how she, Gabby can. Gabby feels really isolated. Dakin wasn't spending any time with her. Laura can't spend any time with her. I did like the part that Warpath, Warpath played in this as the mentor guider guidance counselor type of guy that's something that right come on welcome um so that was super exciting to see um i liked it the art was given mm-hmm. giving love the but whole fight although i will say i was a little confused 
confused by the ending. Mm-hmm. So was the brother resurrected? Yeah, <laughs> they didn't show. So there, so there are two things <laughs> that upset me. With resurrection. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that we find out the next issue, he's whether or not he actually gets his own body. But I don't like that when her body was resurrected, she already had the metal leg. So are they like cloning body bodies of her with the metal leg? <laughs> I, okay, well, I'd assume yes. <laughs> my, my assumption is like you know the, in the resurrection database, you could like say what you want, you know, as your resurrection. Didn't they say before that you could like ask for certain modifications on your body or whatever? She so probably. Could, you think you think she asked for to keep her metal leg? I mean, I think- obviously I understand like in story it's to show me with disabilities mm-hmm. other things yes. of that nature um but you think that karma in story would have been like yes build me a new body with this metal leg yes because i, I when i would compare her to someone like hellier right mm-hmm. who don't have no arm but right? <laughs> his, his hands, his hands. Yeah. i feel as though karma would i don't think either of them would see their disabilities or anything as if they are you know uh disfigured or not or some kind of something that's holding them back um i don't think there's something that they're kind of disgusted of or whatever and i do understand the representation of disabled characters i feel like karma would think that like her metal leg is cool i'm gonna keep it this whatever it's just a part of who she is now and whatever whereas hellion would is the type to think we're on this damn island and we could bring people back to life why the hell i don't have any hands (laughs) but hellion doesn't have hands anymore he has Krakoan bio gloves. Right, but if he ever dies and is resurrected, I'd assume he would get his hands back. Oh, you think so? I think he. Yeah. Would, I think he. I think he. I think they would keep him handless. I see. I feel like the character Hellion would give <laughs> his hands back. <laughs> okay. okay. What would you rate this book? out of 5, only because, again, while I understand it, the Gabby parts just do not do it for me. Yeah. Same for me, actually. I would give it a 3 out of 5. Same reasons. Um, The Gabby and kind of the kid stories don't really do it for me, but I think that, like, I understand the story that's being told there, so... Yeah, it's poignant. It's just not for me. Yeah. All right. up next is Black Widow number 7 by Kelly Thompson and Ella... Elena Casagrande. Um, wow, again. Mm-hmm. Kelly Thompson mm-hmm. is killing it on pretty much all the books that she's on right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's this, doing it. This Black Widow book, I feel like, has been... I've tried a couple Black Widow runs in the past. Um, mm-hmm. There was one that was with Phil Noto, and it was fun because it was just her just going around being badass. Wow. Yes. Right, <laughs> you know, whereas this one I feel like is really giving you a lot more of like her character and Natasha's like character and how she relates to everyone around her. You know, mm-hmm. this book it opens with her waking up and remembering, you know, the the son that she actually did have, but realizing that's no longer her life anymore. Mm-hmm. And I like that Kelly is establishing that no, that happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a thing that happened but we're moving forward from here and this is such something that she has to kind of deal with. And now Black Widow is in San Francisco and she has the web, which is her own like little network of spiders. (laughs) (laughs) Spiders. 
Um, I assume that they're probably all going to be female characters, but uh, love that. Right now, uh, I'll be love that. Um, right, <laughs> yes. Um, Yelena and Yelena is trying to basically recruit this young girl who mm-hmm. Black Widow told her multiple times we're not recruiting this girl off the street. <laughs> who and this girl is who they saved in the last issue um, from the this character Apogee. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, what did you think of Yelena in this? Oh, movie? I loved it. <laughs> like I don't, I don't even have to let you finish. I've been waiting to talk about Yelena. <laughs> I've been waiting. Um, no, this is fantastic. And you know, everybody knows I'm a huge Yelena fan, but Yelena has not been around in too many things. Or when she is around, she's not around for a very long time, so she doesn't really get a lot of character development or time to dig deep into the agency. So I love that within just these few issues we've probably gotten to know Yelena on a deeper level than we ever have, ever before. <laughs> Just yeah. even from little subtle things of her calling Natasha Natalia. And Nat kind of has the conversation with the girl, and she's like, oh, I think she calls me that because I don't seem as Russian as she wants me to be. You know, you get the loneliness. She's like, Natasha is the closest thing she has to a family. And it's like how she's dealing with that. I also love just the attitude she has of being no nonsense. And she's very much not dealing with any of Natasha's stuff. We are totally training this girl because she's already (laughs) in it. You need to stop acting like this. Um, I loved that moment. (laughs) Black Widow was like, no, we're not training her. And and, uh, Yelena's like, that's what you said? (laughs) But what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep training Right. Um, And even the moment, so Natasha recruits Anya, who was once Spider-Girl, to help them on the mission. She becomes a new spider. Um, And when she tells Yelena about it, Yelena's pissed. She's like, no, you're not doing this by yourself anymore. Like, I am here. You need to tell me these things. We're working together. And, you know, her and Natasha are kind of building that rapport again. They're basically sisters, closest family they have to each other right now. And so I'm just, I feel like Kelly Thompson really wanted to write a Yelena solo. And so she just had to write Natasha because. (laughs) That's the only way you really get it. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, okay, I'll take that for now. (laughs) Yeah. I actually like audibly laughed out loud when, um, so later in this book, they find from Spider-Girl the information that they were looking for because someone has been um, like, there's this like weird kind of cult thing going on. And I was going to say, when I got to this part, I was like, I know King is loving this. Love a murder cult. Love a murder cult. (laughs) Yeah. So they end up being like undercover in this murder cult and like uh, Black Widow pulls off her, her cloak and they're in there kicking ass and stuff. And Yelena is one fighter. (laughs) And, You know, we'll probably talk about this a little later when I mention when we do the Civil War discussion. But um, I have to say, I love a moment where characters fight in tandem and they're like in sync with each other. Mm -hmm. And I got that last week with Nightwing and Tim Drake. This week, week. I got this (laughs) with Black Widow and uh, White Widow. Who loves to remind you that she is White Widow. <laughs> yes, I also love that. She's everything. I'm like, you, you don't understand. I truly was so excited reading this issue. Yeah. I just had a smile on my face. I, th- I think I actually read it twice. Like, back to back. I was like, oh. <laughs> page one. <laughs> I audibly laughed page one. when they were in that cult and they beat everybody up and they kidnapped the one at the end and they're trying mm-hmm. to pick him up and Black Widow was like, uh, no. 
he's not gonna wake up that way because uh, young Elena's keep hitting him. And Elena mm-hmm. Young's like, no, <laughs> maybe a few more times. Like, I loved it. Great. This is a really great issue. Um, I'm, I'm very excited to see like how the web continues to grow. I really hope there's a lot of spider thing female characters out there. Um, and even so, just not even spider thing. I wonder if she will keep them all spider thing, but I wouldn't be surprised if she brought like a bombshell. You know, she also loves hazmat. Um, I really want to see Julia Carpenter in this though. Oh, wait, is she still a spider or is she like Madam Web still? I, I don't know, but whatever. I actually I didn't I didn't mind her as Madam Web either. I love her as Spider Woman, obviously. The in Arachne, the Arachne costume is like iconic. That's, I mean, that's iconic. Yeah, like that looks good. Um, but I didn't mind her as Madam Web and the stuff that I read. That would be interesting if she came in as Madam Web with this web. It is I don't given- know if she still is though. I don't really know what's going on in Spider-Man books. If anybody knows if Julia Carpenter is still Madam Web, please let me know. Yes, please let us know. Um, I'm giving this book a 4.5 out of five. Okay. I really liked it. I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. It was good. The artist given Casa Grande's art is fantastic. She is like you said, one the, of my the, the the panel of them fighting in tandem, great. Mm-hmm. It's good. Please pick this up, y'all. Definitely get into Black Widow. Um, all right, last book on the list is X Men number twenty <laughs> by Jonathan Hickman and Francesco uh, Mobley, and wow. It's the best X book. I don't even really gotta say anything. It's the best X book. I've been saying I mean... it's the best X book. And it used <laughs> to be the best X book. And it's like kind of sad that he's not gonna be writing it anymore. I'm excited for what Jerry Dugan does. But what Hickman's been doing for these last twenty issues, I would love I don't think there's been one I have not enjoyed. Even no. when people hated the book in the first like two or three issues and they were like, Oh, this sucks. <laughs> oh yeah, but you don't remember? I must wow. have missed that. I'm, I'm was a Hickman fan, so I was like, I must have been living in a spider. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, it, it was, I was getting a lot of backlash when I would tell, when I would say that X Men was the best X book, and everyone kept hitting me with all these other books that were supposedly better, and I was like, I get it, you like that book better, <laughs> but it's not true. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, I don't know about all of that. <laughs> um. But no, fantastic issue. I, um, Mystique once again tries to go into the Orcus to stop the creation of Nimrod. Which now did you up... go back and read X Men number six? Oh this? yeah, of course I, I did. did. <laughs> someone reminded me that she was basically the cause of Nimrod actually being created. Anyway, I was like, oh wait, let me go back and see. Yeah, she deserved everything she got, which was nothing. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. You're not and then. Wrong. And, and don't get me wrong, I love Destinies. I'm, uh, long story short, Mystique goes into this mission to stop Nimrod. She fails. It basically creates Nimrod and is moving us closer to that future we kind of saw in Hawksbox, where the machines have destroyed the mutants and like taken over humanity and all that other stuff. I am, that means, pull over for a second, I am living for all of that. <laughs> because know. <laughs> you know Nimrod is my favorite X-Men villain, so like, uh, I'm loving this. And so 
you know, Mystique gets back and she reveals how she failed and she asks, what about Irene? Because everybody knows she wants Destiny to come back. Moira is somewhere in her no place. She has told Xavier Magneto that precogs are not allowed back on Krakoa, so they can't bring Destiny back because she feels like Destiny will ruin her plans. Which, Destiny will probably help, if anything. I feel like, it's, we, I, I think that's what Moira kind of misses in that whole no precogs thing. When Destiny killed her, she was like actively working to stop the mutant gene. Mm-hmm. If she's not trying to do that anymore, why would Destiny try and kill her? Well, do we know if she's not trying to do that anymore? Exactly. <laughs> we trust it. So, <laughs> Destiny does need to come back. However, I do not want Mystique to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I agree. <laughs> because Mystique has ruined the lives of a, a couple of my faves. Hello. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. So I'm oh, yeah. getting exactly what she deserves. <laughs> you know, and I get it, and I get it. Krakow is all about second chances and like forgiving past sins and blah blah blah. But the thing is, and I think about a couple of these mutants on Krakow right now. They are bad. They came onto the island and we forgave the sins. Yes, they have now committed new ones. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I don't feel as though I have to apply the whole forgiving of sins to characters like Mystique because again if Mystique would have done what she was supposed to do on that very first mission in issue 6 instead of doing her own self-serving needs like she always does mm-hmm. then we wouldn't have this issue but no she continues to play her own game and play her own rules so bad things happen to you and I do not feel bad about it I mean, just like Shaw when something bad happens to him I will not feel bad for him Shadow exactly. King I will. I, mean, I feel bad for Shadow King. I like Shadow King, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but if you're doing bad things, yes, okay, you got your amnesty. You pissed it away. Now you can go in the pit. I mean, I I I hate to I I hate to not provide a different point of view, <laughs> <laughs> but it is what it is. I completely agree. You know, if the mission was for you to do a and you did not do A, mm-hmm. what do you mm-hmm. think is going to happen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If we told you to do A in order to get B, but you didn't do A, why do you, you think you're supposed to still give you me B? You did Q. For whatever reason. Just because. Just because. Just because. And who knows? Maybe if you would have did the right thing, things would have worked out in your favor. Maybe Irene could come back one day. We Oh, so at the end of the issue, of course, we go and we see... Uh, Magneto and Charles talk to Moira, and they're like, Mystique failed, Nimrod's online, but she, we also see that she has Destiny's Diaries, yes. which love those. Ooh. Destiny's right. Diaries always bring... Destiny's Diaries actually brings about some of my favorite stories. Blinded by the Light, Extreme X-Men, Red Claremont, um, I guess those are the only two that are coming to my mind right now, but <laughs> I love them. I think they're great. I think I that's that. how um, there was a connection between Gambit and Sinister. Was that in the diary? I think that Sinister used Gambit. He, like, got Gambit to try to steal the diaries. Someone got to fact check me on this, but I almost want to say that that is how he got his, like, cloak. Like, how Gambit got his whole thing of, like, being, like, a thief. He was contracted out to steal the diaries for Sinister. No. If there's Somebody check that, let me know. 
<laughs> I just feel like that's some random trivia that I know, but like okay. somebody, somebody fact check me on that. Okay. Um, so yeah, I don't think Mystique deserves. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, I'm excited no. for that next uh, council meeting because I know Exodus is gonna be like, uh, I'm sorry, girl. I do hope they um I do hope they bring Rogue into the story somehow. I would like to see her in Destiny. Or just her ask about Destiny. I really like the Necrotia issue tie in that was in Legacy and she saw Destiny's like body and they had a moment. Whatever. Like I would I would I would expect I don't know. Maybe it'll happen to X Men. Rogue hasn't been talking too much. No, that's that's not what she is usually there for. She's Nostalgia queen. I think that uh, <laughs> I, I, I may not like Rogue that much, but oh, really? but I do think that she should she should definitely be involved in this story. It would be nice to see her be the one to kind of call out Mystique. Like, mm-hmm. why weren't you doing the right thing <laughs> to you know how to get Destiny back? They told you how to get it back. Why wouldn't you do the right thing? I feel like that voice should be Rogue. Mm-hmm. I can agree with that. She, she would be the one to want to get Destiny back as well, and do mm-hmm. the. But uh, I don't know. I don't know why they're. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Let her have her mama's back. All right. This issue for me, I would give it a four point five out of five. Agreed. Actually, I would give this a five out of five. The humiliation of Mystique really, <laughs> really excites me. I don't. And let me say this. I, I, I don't dislike Mystique. I think that that's not true. That um, <laughs> I don't like Mystique. However, I understand the purpose she serves. Yes. And I understand how she is important to stories. However, she is not a character I enjoy, like her personality, her motivations, how she acts and things. Like if I was a hero in the Marvel Universe, I would not get along with her. And so watching her fail, chef's kiss. (laughs) Yeah, I, it's not that I dislike Mystique, kind of like you said, I I don't mind her. I understand the villainous role that she's supposed to play. But at the same time, girl, you are playing villainous roles. You mm-hmm. you reap what you sow. <laughs> Mystique's kind of a failure. We should get into Leo. I think the only thing she's, she's ruined Rogue. Successful... She literally ruined Rogue's life. I think the only thing she's ever successfully done was maybe kill uh, Grady Creed. Or was it Senator Kelly? She killed Senator Kelly, right? Yeah. Yeah, when she killed Sammy Kelly, I think that was the only like successful thing she did. Yeah. She's not really I succeeded. mean she wanted she wanted to succeed in kill in killing Carol. And what happened? She's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> and you ruined Rogue's life. So where did you succeed at, girl? She she uh, she abandoned Nightcrawler. She's not <laughs> a good person. Like she's just like not a good person. Yeah. Like, and I think that's the thing about Mystique. Like you can like Mystique all you like. She's evil. That's good. And that's fine. Like every character doesn't have to be a good person, but I also don't have to like everyone. Mm-hmm. That's why she failed. Still a great issue, y'all. And I guess Inferno is coming. Inferno is coming. Do you think that Maddie will be involved in this Inferno? Oh, let's hope not. <laughs> I can tell you, I've kind of had a change of heart about Maddie. I don't, I don't know if we have like time to talk about that. We'll talk about it another day. But okay. um, I have some feelings about Maddie. And Gene. Oh. That have shifted. 
oh. over the last few months. And it, it really came to a head when I saw Inferno was coming in fall. And I thought, and everybody was like, oh my God, Madeline's coming back. And I was like, hmm. Ooh, have I had some influence on you? Okay. I think you might have, actually. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about it real quick. What is it? Um, so when it comes to Gene versus Maddie, I am pro-Gene. However, when it comes to Maddie versus Scott, I am pro-Maddie. So I am okay with Maddie being around if it actually has some type of effect or we see some type of conversation or something with Scott. I do not think that Gene has to do anything with Madeline ever again. Because Gene does not owe her that. Because honestly, in the context of it, Maddie is like... I think a lot of the hype for Maddie is kind of overwrought. <laughs> um, I was going back and reading a lot of stories with her, and they're not that great. And the characters that are supposed to be Maddie become very confusing because they're either like clones or they're from some type of parallel universe. It's never actually Maddie. Mm-hmm. And so we're just getting all of these different versions. I was like, oh, this isn't even the same woman. She's not that interesting, honestly. Her entire existence is to be mad at Gene and Scott or <laughs> or have a weird incestuous relationship with her son from a different dimension. Mm. Um, it's just it's 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 not given. She's not Didn't the, the girl creators who, just say that they really only made her for nothing, like she's not a real character. Yeah, I knew I knew you was gonna bring that up. Uh, (laughs) yeah they did say that uh yeah it's just she just what'd she do like and she's the goblin queen it's just like okay she comes to lose she's bad bitch gene that's why they like her yeah and it's just like it's not given (laughs) well look at that little resolution okay yeah i had that I, i don't i don't think maddie I actually think they should stop using her altogether. I think they should too. Just let it go. <laughs> I, I truly think that she is the character that she, we should just kind of like. It happened and we have moved on. Mm-hmm. Let it go. All right, look wow. at that. Wow, you've come to some realizations throughout this podcast, and I'm loving it. That kind of oh, my like heart is breaking a little bit. Let's keep him coming, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maddie. Let's keep him coming. Let me go read some um. Some 80s Claremont. <laughs> Madeline Pryor. <laughs> All right, y'all, let's take a break and we will come back for another panel. Hello, everybody. We are back and welcome to another panel today. So I don't know if you saw Rainby's tweet about he's going to have an announcement coming out next week with Marvel and something with Al Ewing. Oh, and Brian Hitch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know. Right. So it was it was like a big threaded tweet with a bunch of different creators saying how they're announcing something next week or they have announcements coming soon. And C.B. Sabelsky was even like, guys, we're not, you know, they building up the hype. Okay. But you know how you have been yeah. talking about Ewing and Cosmic and how you think he's building his own Annihilation event? Mm-hmm. I am theorizing that all those creators are going to be like miniseries or spinoffs of whatever his big Cosmic event is going to be. That's my theory. 
I that could would be wild. <laughs> I mean, I could be completely wrong. However, that's my hope. I, I, I mean, it's just I don't know what else Al Ewing could be doing. I mean, I mean he's, he's doing pretty a lot. much got all the keys to the to the cosmic side yeah. of Marvel right now. So like, I, that he's, he's got his hands in a lot of different pots, but the cosmic one has kind of been the one he has been building most consistently throughout a lot of his career in Marvel. And so once Ramsey said that, I was like, oh yeah. I'm about to be in here. <laughs> but it just got me thinking about Cosmic in general. You know, I've kind of come to terms with how Star-Lord is one of my favorite characters. I like Blue Marvel a lot, who plays in that Cosmic field sometimes. But you are the Cosmic guy. Yes, that man. is your world. Those are your characters. So I wanted to kind of talk to you, especially if this is coming, and we do have, even if it's not, I just want to be ready. Um for what you think makes like good cosmic events, what draws you to the cosmic world. We're just gonna we're just gonna talk about space in general. It doesn't have to be Marvel, it can be DC, it can be whoever. We're just talking about space. Yeah. No. Okay, so like with me and cosmic stories, I think like I've always been drawn to them as a kid because I've just always loved like big exploration and big expansion and world building and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and as a kid I was obviously really put on to Star Wars. Um, my dad was a huge fan, is a huge fan. <laughs> and uh, he put me on to that so, as a kid. So like I ended up becoming a big fan as well. And I've always just really loved the like expansiveness of it all. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> out in space is limitless. Like there's, there's literally infinite amount of planets that you can go to, so many different mm-hmm. types of stories that you could tell with different types of backdrops. Um, I've always just really loved just how big it is. And yeah. any place that you can kind of really go, you could explore any kind of corner out there. So when it comes to your space stories, do you like the space stories that, because you know you talk about all the infinite planets and things like that, I think you can kind of do it one of two ways. Do you prefer stories where they're actually visiting the planets and like still kind of being boots on the ground? Or do you like space stories where they are in space? Like, we're in the stars, we see the ships, we're kind of getting it from that POV. Um, I like it to be a mix of both. Okay. And I don't like it if it is one or the other. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, I, I know that sounds like I'm saying I like it in the middle of the road, but, like, <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That's kind of true. That's what it is. I yeah. like it. I don't like it to be either one of those. I would prefer it if it's both. Um. Mm-hmm. I do like to see just kind of the, the the spacey ships and stuff out there. And we're seeing all of that if there's like a, a citadel or like some kind of central location for everything to kind of work out of. Um, but then I also like for the characters and all that to still be able to go on to these different planets and stuff and explore all these different locations. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who are your like favorite cosmic heroes? Obviously, Captain Marvel. Do you, well, Carol's on the ground a lot, though. Yeah, so that's what I, I think, like, you know, I consider myself a cosmic guy, but, like, I like them to be, like, cosmic and cosmic adjacent. Like, okay, she's, she's cosmic like, adjacent. She's cosmic sure. adjacent. I would say, like, most of my favorites are somewhere in that cosmic adjacent side mm-hmm. to cosmic. Um, you know, my favorite DC character is Green Lantern. Yeah. Um, so that's <laughs> I don't know I'm on cosmic. <laughs> he's right there. He's in it. <laughs> he is it. <laughs> so you know, um, yeah, I think like she, Captain Marvel, is one that she's more cosmic adjacent, and I think that 
the reason she ends up even going cosmic is how much power she has. That's one thing I love about space is people can be powerful out there. You're not limited. You're not limited to like what is kind of the standards on Earth. Um, you can be as powerful as you want to be out there because who knows how what uh, other species can take or and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I. I've always enjoyed that part of it. Now, I don't like it when it gets to be too much, but that's kind of the benefit of space. Since it's so expensive, then you still have to have like clear definitions of things because of just how expensive. Yeah. Um, do you, do you, th- do you, would you prefer Carol to start having more kind of full cosmic adventures or do you kind of like how she stays adjacent? You know, I think she probably should have more cosmic adventures honestly Mm -hmm. um because i feel like she ends up going out into space but like they don't do too much while she's out there um she's had she's had a few like cosmic stories and she's like literally the intro on the uh in the movie where she's on that planet tarfa was in Mm -hmm. the comics that kelly sue deconic wrote um where she went to this planet and she kind of rescued it and kept the refugees but then like usually i don't know if it's because of sales or of interest or something but people end up wanting her to come back to earth so she ends up usually coming back mm-hmm. um i think I she would go to space a little bit more versus someone like green lantern who i wish that he would actually come down to earth <laughs> a lot mm-hmm. a, a few a few more times i think that or at least maybe not earth it doesn't have to be earth but just, but just um, a planet a planet yeah I feel like with his, I feel like that makes sense with him because with John and the Green Lanterns, they feel a little bit more exploratory. Mm-hmm. So, and if they're supposed to be space cops, they should kind of be going to these planets in space to see what they need to stop. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, they cops aren't stop. really effective. <laughs> yeah. You, oh, would, would you would you appreciate a defund the Green Lantern Corp storyline? Is that Absolutely. something that happens? <laughs> I'm sure uh, there is one. <laughs> I think, is there something like that for them? Yeah, there's definitely been stuff like that with them where um, they've been trying to be taken down. Most planets aren't always with <laughs> the, the whole thing. <laughs> um, if we, we'd have to do a rewatch of the Justice League versus the Fatal Five. Um, because even in that movie, at some point, one of the villains is like, he calls them the Green Fascist Corps. um do you have i know you love that like galactic storm event Mm -hmm. from marvel what do you have any other ones so the biggest cosmic event i read (laughs) from marvel obviously i know you do um mine were annihilation yes and i was into the whole time of like war of kings um where Vulcan was actually in charge of the Shi'ar or something like that, I thought that was a fun time, too. But that it was, was like, ex-adjacent. Actually, yeah. because I really, really loved A War of Kings. Um, mm-hmm. Bias aside, because of of how great oh. Hulk was in it, um, it was just a really great kind of story. You didn't mm-hmm. get a Vulcan, again, because I think that he's just too powerful to be on Earth. Around. around. So, like, yeah. when out in space... He could do that because, you know, his energy blast or whatever isn't as strong as a Shi'ar 
whatever MacGuffin. <laughs> you know what I mean? So get to actually experience him and get to see more of what his character is. Now, it was interesting to see him kind of become a tyrant. <laughs> yeah, that was a choice. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, but again, even out there, it was really cool. That's also probably why I like that story for Lorna, because she's another character who is very powerful, but uh, she isn't allowed to really flex those powers as much on Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when she was out in space, really getting to be able to see her do all this really cool stuff with her powers and really flex just how powerful she was, it's great to see. So like, Would you like to see Lorna in space in a full-time capacity? Uh, not in a full-time capacity. I would have actually really liked if she would have been a part of S.W.O.R.D., but I don't think her powers fit like in, in the way they're conjunction. Yeah, like yeah. kind of building out sword with the departments and structures mm-hmm. and all that. Stuff. I think her powers fit any of those molds, but that would have been a nice mm-hmm. actually for her. Yeah, <laughs> you having a moment now? You realize that you're like, mm. <laughs> yeah, that would have been oh, nice. She, she would have been written by Ewing too. Oh, I know. Ooh. And that would have been great if she was on there and like dealing with Magneto being the council head. People probably like would. Yeah, he's always around. And then people probably feel some type of way about her because was she picked out of nepotism or what? Damn. You gonna get your house of him. So, I mean, you know, Jerry could be doing some of that in X Men. Yeah. She's, she's on like this big team, she is the representation. Yeah, I hope to see her do some stuff, some nice stuff with her powers and really be assertive on there. Quick aside, like, away from space, but like that's the way that Lorna is always going to be saved, like her character, mm-hmm. because there's always you can always go with the thing of she's Magneto's daughter and his like ego and his hubris. When you think about X of Swords when she was there, she said that he had said something to her like the House of M must never show weakness, like it must always be there. Mm-hmm. She's the only person who can be there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, as long as Magneto exists and he has some form of, like, his house of M or, like, his family needs, like, Lorna is always going to be there. So shout out to her for that. You know, when we were doing that rewatch of Civil War mm-hmm. um, while I was watching it, I will say that, like, I was like, damn. That's gonna be Lorna eventually, <laughs> while the Scarlet Witch was doing stuff because eventually they're gonna get to Magneto and like he's gonna have a daughter. Mm-hmm. And there's only one. He's only got one daughter. Right Dane now. is coming. Now see. <laughs> <laughs> the girl. That's the one who we want. Zaladane. Oh. You ready? Zaladane. She's Anya. Somebody made up. She's Anya. Sounds like a fan created character. She is Anya. <laughs> Get ready. But um, circling back to space, do you have any example or do you have any space events that you didn't really like or that you felt as though kind of did space wrong? Um, not too many of them do it wrong until they get to be too big. Okay. So, like, there have been some events where it gets to be like, so, like, uh, there were moments in Time Runs Out with Hickman's story, mm-hmm. right? Where mm-hmm. it got, it was cosmic and it was almost like too grandiose <laughs> where it's mm-hmm. like 
it starts not making sense. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of like, what's going on? <laughs> Those, like, am I? You'd be like, am I not smart enough to read this book right now? Is that what's happening, or is it just doesn't make sense? I don't know. Oh, um, that's where cosmic stories get a little like, mm-hmm. what is this? <laughs> um, outside so, of, I, there aren't too many that I've had where I haven't really liked them. I one of the ones I have really liked were the, the War of the Green Lanterns, which was uh, this was a Green Lantern story where Krona uh, was coming back to. Uh, kind of basically destroyed the Green Lantern Guardians, and mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever seen the image where all the the Earth Lanterns had different colors on, and John, mm-hmm. it was the, that was that story. Oh, okay, okay. Like that. Did you like the Rainbow Corpse? Oh yeah, for sure. That CEO okay. is another thing. That I, again, just emphasizing the whole expansiveness of it all, where you mm-hmm. like start to add more elements to stuff. I actually really enjoyed all of the different colors that were added to the Green Lanterns and uh, adding to their mythology. Okay. Did, did, who was your favorite? Is it still, like, green? Or did you have, like, a preference of your... That's a good question, because my... It's it's changed a few times. Okay. I, I used to really like... Um, I used to really like Hope. I uh, the blue one, yes. The blue? Yes, 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 yes. I used to also really like Hope. But then I've also I've been really digging compassion, the purple. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. I don't know about all that, but (laughs) (laughs) somewhere so somewhere between compassion and will, I do always like the green. Okay. Okay. I feel that blue is definitely mine. Hope. Um, I also really liked. I didn't necessarily like it being greed, the orange ring, but I like the design of a lot of the orange ring constructs. Okay. And the, uh, the greed, but yeah. constructs. Yeah, yeah, so that was it. But definitely Blue Hope, that's the ring for me. <laughs> See, that, I mean, that kind of, that tracks. <laughs> that <makes sense>. <laughs> <laughs> See, that was um, another thing I always liked about not only Green Lantern, but I feel like with space stories, was that like anybody could relate to them? Mm-hmm. So like um, because of the nature of space and it being so expansive, like anybody could relate to these characters or any parts of it. Um, you know, not everybody wants to be the Green Lantern. Somebody like to be the Blue Lantern or something like that. And I, those types of options exist like on that cosmic side of stuff. I feel that. Now, if you had to. Like, you're trying to get somebody into this cosmic stories, you're trying to bring them over. Like, what are your recommendations? What do you want the people to read to get into space? Ooh. Um, Infinity Gauntlet and Infinity War. Okay. War of Kings, for sure. Okay. Definitely recommend War of Kings on the Marvel side. Um, War of the Green Lanterns. Mm-hmm. Definitely highly recommend that. Um... Um, what are some other great wars? Oh, Secret Wars. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Secret Wars is good. I do like both, that one. Both the 80s version and the 2015 one. Okay. For sure. And who's your favorite cosmic writer? I 
at the <laughs> moment it's Ewing. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, yay! At the moment it's actually Ewing. He's been really crafting like some great cosmic stories, especially with the way that he knows that space is so big that means it, lots of things can be happening all at the same time so mm-hmm. his sword issues like where we got in and we opened a book and that snark war was going on like mm-hmm. that is something that is very cosmic because um you know somebody is always trying to take over some other planet <laughs> that's just is what it is out in space so i like appreciate that he was like you know this is just another sector of space and things are kind of happening um i i like when things are kind of like that going on um he's also been building up the guardians like no other in my opinion um you know i love a large team with a rotating cast and that's exactly what this is out in space um where you get all different types of flavors of characters and personalities and they're all kind of mixed and talking with each other um different types of power sets and all that stuff um so i would definitely say ewing i'm excited for whatever he's got building up towards for this annihilation uh Mm -hmm. war do you hope Carol's involved? I think. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I almost said no, but I was like, let me not lie. <laughs> yes. I mean, even his, even his Carol, I thought was perfect in Empire. If you remember when I there was someone. That. Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> there was so there was someone who was watching her like talk about the plan or whatever. And he was like, oh, there she goes. She's got that look on her face, which is she knows that she's right. And she knows that she's got the power to do it. And I was like, oh, he gets her. <laughs> um, so like, I think, but that just probably is just a, a tribute to his writing of just really knowing these kind of characters. He's that guy. He's got he's it. That guy. Got that guy. There have been rumors that he was going to be using Storm in this annihilation war um amongst all the like cosmic sides of fandom mm, that would be i mean storm's been playing this space a lot i know coats was using her in that black panther run and she was using her powers out in there and like merging with air systems and energy patterns it was intense she's powerful okay that's that's, that's what i mean <laughs> <laughs> Were you doing stuff like that? Let's go to space. <laughs> that's what I think today. That's what she's about to do. So, make it your wish. Well, um, all right. So, that was the panel. I just want to talk about Cosmic, get into the head a little bit, you know, get myself a little bit more excited for whatever Ewing is doing with these guys because Ranby's coming. And mm. I don't know. Ranby and Al Ewing? I mean, Brian Hitch is like the monkey's ball, though. I know you don't come up to the Cosmic side too much, um, you know. I like Star Lord and Blue Marvel. Those two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I like um Yeah, I like Star Lord and Blue Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna get more uh some more cosmic stuff. You should read some of those things that I listed. I think you might I, I like the Guardians. I've read a couple of Guardians run, like uh, Dan and Abnett when they were writing the Guardians. I, I really enjoyed that run. Bug, Death Cry. It was mostly for Star Lord though. <laughs> See, I even love on. I'm thinking on the DC side, their cosmic stuff for me sometimes gets too big. I think that's in why DC, I haven't. In, 
liked their bigger cosmic stuff because it gets to be like world ending. But I do appreciate this stuff. Like I'm a big Legion of Superheroes fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did want to say this really quickly that I do like in space that they acknowledge those world ending events. So like in mm-hmm. Legion of Superheroes and most cosmic kind of stories, when like planets end or like the universe is collapsing on itself, time out there exists like linearly. So if mm-hmm. something happens, they acknowledge it. So like when the crisis happened, the Legion of Heroes superheroes would be like, oh yeah, the Great Crisis, like it was a thing that mm-hmm. happened. Whereas back on Earth and all that kind of stuff, I feel like it's always like a secret or people have their memories erased after mm-hmm. the universe restarted or whatever. They do it's like some memories in DC. <laughs> right. It's like your Earth got restarted, but everything out here was fine. Hmm, that is a nice little thing. Okay. Yeah, I do like that. I like the dark stars at DC. Of course you do. <laughs> you know, uh, John Stewart was a dark star. Yes, I do. It was his best. Donna Troy was also one. Oh, okay. Yeah, we we got we got the we got the people. <laughs> okay, well let's go ahead and take a little break and then we'll come back for another rewatch, Civil War. All right, y'all, welcome back to another WeWatch. And this time we did uh, Marvel Studios' Captain America Civil War. Now, we had just read the book last week and discussed it, and we wanted to watch the movie this time and and talk about it. And I have to say that I don't think this movie gets the praise it deserves <laughs> because I it is definitely one of the better and probably in for personal reasons i think it is like a top five mcu movie for me okay i feel like i don't disagree with that oh okay yeah okay I, but it's also captain america. i think captain america has had the best line of movies in the entire mcu yeah for sure like i that's just i think even i've gone back and rewatched first uh, avenger and that still holds up pretty well, but it's like when you go from that, you got Winter Soldier, Civil War, like that's a trilogy. And I think Civil War is. I, when you were saying like, oh, you don't think it gets the recognition? No, I actually think it gets all of it. But I think it's okay. Good. I think it's third recognition. <laughs> um, good. I feel like I never see people really going up for it the way that they do other movies in the MCU. But I feel like this movie is really good and one of the better MCU films. I think, you know, you get the, the first gets a lot because it's the first. I think Age of Ultron gets a lot because people, like, hate it. And I think War, where you could say, I guess it doesn't get up because it doesn't really feel necessarily like a, it's not an Avengers movie, even though it kind of feels like one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like Captain America. So I feel like when people talk about it, they talk about it in the sense of Captain America movies but not in Avengers as a whole. Yeah, but, which is which is fair. Like, Cap and uh, Bucky beating Iron Man up? Iconic. Listen, earlier in the episode, you know, I talked about how I like characters fighting in tandem. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, when they're able to just, like, really read each other and work with each other and, and like, they're 
action and choreography is just oh so in sync and that moment is just <sighs> chef's kiss like it is true what did, did you find yourself on pro or anti registration i mean always anti-registration yeah, yeah. <laughs> <be sure>. <laughs> listen um, i know i know that i like carol but come on y'all <laughs> that's not go too far do you feel like the case that iron man made here in the movie felt a little bit more i guess genuine or in character with the way it felt in the comic book you know i was gonna bring that up because i feel like it was completely different than the comic you know the which we just came out of and um and you mean like just the way with iron man like and his, his whole case of, his yeah. stance of it all yeah i feel like I was going to bring that up because I feel like it's different than in the comic. The comic was very like superhero. Yeah. Whereas whereas this because of the rights issues, they couldn't go that far as far as the scale and how many superheroes and stuff were in it. So they really kind of went the more like personal route. Mm-hmm. And I that makes you kind of even further understand Tony's side of it in the context of like the MCU. Whereas in the comics, you can kind of understand Tony's side of it because there had been literal years of comics that you could kind of pull from and see examples of the things that would kind of make the registration side rise up mm-hmm. versus um, the anti-registration side. But that doesn't really exist <laughs> in the MCU. Most people don't even have like secret identities. But um, it was interesting that they went the route to how to kind of make it more personal you know with his parents being killed i mean the the movie opens with us seeing the the murder which is another thing (laughs) i feel like this movie is another example of people kind of not giving the mcu the credit i think that it deserves because i'm not an mcu stan but i'm one that give i'm gonna give you, you 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 do when when you deserve it and I feel like people always try to say that the MC was like cookie cutter and um, popcorn flicks and for kids. But like there's a lot of murders that happen <laughs> in this movie that they don't shy away from showing you. Yeah. And um, I think that this film has a lot more like adult tones into it than people mm-hmm. give you credit for. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I think a lot of MCU properties actually kind of have that same example of not really seeming like it's for kids or there's a deeper meaning into it. Yes, it's colorful. Yes, it's playful. Yes, there are some of them that are very much popcorn type flicks, but there's always still that story in there that is supposed to delve deeper. Again, Falcon and Winter Soldier was the same way. Sam was definitely running around killing people in that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Missiles are hitting helicopters. People are dying. And I think we kind of gloss it gets glossed over because again that was even a problem that the show had where it quickly goes back to a humorous tone or it they start joking about something and sometimes it takes the weight off of that but the weight is still fully there i think you just have to accept that you still want to be a little happy at the end of it all yeah so i like the way that they kind of changed his stance from the comic and how they kind of presented it in the film uh i mean i'm still was team cap though <laughs> everyone should be that's just the way it is what it is and this was this is black panther's first showing too i mean wow talk about an intro 
And I, I would say, like, if Black Panther was like this in the comic books, I would probably be a fan. Me, oh, me too. Like, he would be interesting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he, he served in this. I, I just, I, I'll never forget, like, watching it in the scene of the car chase. Mm. And they are just running. I almost stood up in that movie theater when I first saw that. I would yeah. never forget I was like, this is what I came to see. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, they running. <laughs> they gone. This is what I need them to be doing all the time. Uh, but he had a good like. Notice though, like, Audie clearly paid for, like, a lot of this movie. <laughs> because that, that entire car chasing, every car was naughty. You gotta know. How the, how the <laughs> whole, <laughs> every car is naughty. <laughs> <laughs> that don't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I would get that. Every fight scene he had was great. The one with uh, poor Sharon. Also, you know, I feel like she's kind of clicking down a little bit. Going back and seeing Sharon in this movie. First of all, wasn't she like cut very heavily from it? Wasn't she supposed to be a bigger part of Team Cat? I think so. I feel like I remember seeing concept art and stuff of her, and she was actually there in the final fight and doing all these things. And you know. They just, they're not treating her right. It's, it's yeah, kind of bothering just, me. It's kind of bothering me. I'm not the biggest Sharon Carter fan anyway, so she's just kind of there to me. I don't know too much. So I'm going to take your word on that one. Um. <laughs> she's just, she's not giving the way I thought she was. And that's sad. Did you think that the um, opening mission was something that was supposed to be similar to the comic book mission? Except, uh, like, they were the new warriors. Oh, yeah. Totally. And Wanda was both Nitro and Namorita. Blowing stuff up, being dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. 100%. I like I the way they did it, though. I didn't realize it until, like, this rewatch, probably because I had, since I had just come off of the comic. Um, because I think when this movie came out, I don't think I reread the comic then. Because I knew that they were doing something completely different, so it didn't really matter too much. Yeah. yeah. So, like, coming off of the comic this time versus any other previous time, I was really able to kind of compare the two and see how they were different. But I didn't kind of notice that they at least pulled a lot of elements from it. Like, the spirit of it all was there, mm-hmm. um, even I though they the scale was there. Well, like, even if they change it, which obviously they're going to change the story around, everybody's going to change the story around a little bit, but the way they adapt them, I think that the spirit of the original story still stands very firm in a lot of the stories that they put out there. Even when I think of something like Thor Ragnarok, that mixed, you know, obviously Ragnarok and Planet Hulk and War War Hulk and all that kind of stuff, it does it very well. You get it, you know what it's supposed to be. It's not going to be the exact same thing, but you, you know. Yeah, you know what it is. Which... It's interesting. I wonder what they're going to do for Blade. Because you don't got a lot of that with him. Oh. Do you have anything specific you want to see with Blade? Let's pull over for a second. Okay. I feel like they don't talk about that one for a lot. Like, mm-hmm. uh, outside, the, well, they're having too many announcements for it. I wonder if they, I did see something, though. They I pushed thought, back one of the, like, unannounced movies. I thought, I heard, I heard they pushed the production back on Blade. I think it was supposed to start like in September or something, and now it's not starting till next July. Which makes sense because I they, I saw that one of their unannounced movies got pushed from mm. July to October. Mm, yeah. That's 
probably play. <laughs> play. Um, there's not really anything. I mean, I don't think there's too much I want to see from the Blade movie because I don't think there's too much you get from Blade in the comics. He is very straightforward. He comes in, he fights vampires, and he leaves. It's true. Okay. That's mm-hmm. true. There is. I do. I am interested to see if they're going to introduce um, the daughter that Marvel tried to bring about a couple of years ago. That kind of fell short. I actually tweeted the creator of that, Tim Seeley. I was like, hey, are you ever going to come back to write this? <laughs> because we got, I'm still excited for um, He liked the tweet. Okay. So I was he, like, okay. he at least appreciates the love. Yeah. Um, obviously, Jason Aaron's been using Blade a lot in his Avengers run. And he's been great there. But again, he's just doing what he does. He comes in. He's the cool guy. He's killing vampires. He's fighting. He's making some friends with like man thing and stuff. But there's not too much there. So I kind of he'll make a cameo in an Avengers movie. Or do you think they'll probably keep him to being the solo thing? He might make a post credit scene. Mm. I can see that. Um, But I just feel like anything that the MCU does with Blade will honestly be an improvement over anything I've seen in a comic book. Fair. It hasn't been a lot. Exactly. So, <laughs> really only go up from here. I just wonder if they'll introduce the daughter. Because I love Maharshala, but um, he also is getting a little older. That's and fair. So I don't know if I see him staying in this franchise for the next 10 years. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I wonder if they're just going to bring in the daughter to kind of like start him, maybe give him a nice little three to five year run or something like that, a few movies, and then push her. Which will really work because it seems like that's the route that they're kind of taking with a lot of this stuff, you know, the intro, the younger character and let them to kind of take over later. We saw in this one with Spider-Man, you know? Exactly. So what, Which, what is- again, shout out to this movie because uh, we didn't have to suffer through Uncle Ben dying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no um this was a really good show and i i stick to the fact that i think tom holland is a spectacular spider-man in my opinion i have always read spider-man as annoying and i think tom holland pulls that off very well he is talkative he's annoying he's a kid you know what i'm saying yeah. that is what he should be so i think it's great wonderful casting yeah, I think that he is a, the perfect embodiment of both Peter and uh, Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he's 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 got that roll down pat there. Did you feel that anyone wasn't in? Well, I thought Black Widow's wig was a fool. This was <laughs> this was not one of her good wigs. Winter Soldier is her best wig. The Winter Soldier wig is giving, yes. It's her best wig by far. I also did. Could have, they could have tweezed it out a little bit and gave her more of a part, but at least the hairline wasn't crunchy. I also didn't like her um, in-game wig. The red and blonde. Oh, that was yeah. Not, that was not cute. Yeah. She doesn't get many good wigs. Winter Soldier was really the only good wig. <laughs> mm-hmm. That first wig she had in like Iron Man 2. Oh, the mop? <laughs> yes. The red mop is not giving. I had never heard of being called a mop before, but that's exactly <laughs> what it gets. Oh, I first, I, when I first saw it, I thought, you know, that the dog that looks like the mop. Yes. <laughs> yes. Immediately what I thought of when I first saw the wig all those years ago. Like, immediately it was my first thought. Yeah. It, it never got too much better. Don't got to worry about that now. Did you like everyone who the size that they chose in the movie? Did you think anybody was on the wrong side? I like that uh, Scarlet pretty much was like 
I'm over here, but I'm still over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Scarlet Witch to me, right? No. Well, no, her, Black Widow. Yeah, Scarlet as in Scarlett Johansson, Black Johansson. Yeah. yeah. She was interesting. I mean, her switch sides or whatever was interesting. Um, you know, uh, same with Scarlet Witch. I think for the most part, everyone kind of filled out their roles. It felt like Vision and Wanda were given the uh, Sue and Reed like plot from the movie. You know, the couple that was together. Now we on opposite sides of blah blah blah. Um, but uh, it didn't hit as hard. <laughs> we really know them that well yet. Yeah, we didn't know them that well yet. So it was like I think by the time we got to um, what was what was the one with the, the the next one where they were fighting the Black Order. Infinity War. Infinity War, yes, that one, and like we saw them kind of on their dates and stuff like that. We actually started to care about Wanda and Vision by that time. Um, yeah. Here it was just like, girl, you just blew a bunch of people up. <laughs> yes, ruining lives. Like, no, <laughs> go to jail. I do, think Paul, I do think Paul Bettany is a great Vision, though. He is. Uh, he's also a really great actor. Yeah, fantastic. But you know, and I, he's also made me realize how much I like the Vision. Yeah. Like, the vision's a kind of a cool character. He's dope. It's, and remember when we did the character thing with him, and I was going back and reading all of the mm-hmm. vision. The vision is yeah. it. Yeah. He's the one. Yeah. That was actually really good. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go back and read some vision now. <laughs> yeah. Um. Did you think that this version of the story was better or worse than the comic version? A hundred percent better. Yeah. But also, but again, like even when we read um, the Civil War comic book, it, we were talking about how there wasn't really too much of anything. It was a bunch of people standing around posturing, fighting. <laughs> yeah. This one, you got like a lot of standing around posturing and fighting, but there was also still some heart in it. I think the scene of Alfred Woodard's character mm-hmm. beating Iron Man hit so much harder than the one that happened in the comic book. And she like, Shout out to that uh, double casting too, because wasn't she uh, already um, in Luke Cage? Yes. Or did this happen before Luke Cage? It was after. Was it? Okay, yeah, she was in Luke Cage, so good for her on that. Yeah. Um, she started the double casting. She sure did. <laughs> <laughs> and I think just like you said, the way that the sides did it. Obviously, in the comic, we were very, like, anti-Reg. You got that. It was easy. Here, once you kind of figure out everything involving Bucky and Tony's dad, it does kind of make you look at Cap a little bit differently. Like, hold on. Like, I get what you're saying. But also, he's a murderer. (laughs) (laughs) We got to do something about that. So, I feel like it actually made that tension a lot more relatable and it felt more natural. How did you feel about the whole, like, airport scene? Oh, iconic. Yeah? Iconic. Giant Man? I screamed. I screamed. Yeah, that was a moment. I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) I screamed. In the the movie theater, I'm telling you, I screamed. (laughs) 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 Uh, I I was just, yeah, I was not expecting that. I was so excited. It It looked good. It looked really good. His suit also in the MCU looks great. Yeah. Um... I, 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 the Af, the arrow moment with him, Ant Man and Hawkeye, was also dope. I was like, oh snap, they did that. 
it was a lot of nice combo. But again, this is something that the MCU has also done very well. They show teamwork. Yes, they do. Um, yeah. And I think that's something that has just ne- they've never failed at. They always show these people working together immensely well. And I think this one was exciting because, again, you had the new additions of like Wanda, Ant-Man, Falcon was there. We hadn't seen it before. We, yeah. we could already expect to kind of see with with Thor and Hulk and blah, blah, blah. Here we got new ones. It's like, yeah, and these are characters we actually like. But I like Thor. I appreciate the fact that all the characters were, like, fought differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their choreography and everything was different. It wasn't them just all just taking big swings and kicks and stuff at each other. That everybody really fought differently. Um, Sam is constantly kicking somebody in the chest. <laughs> about it on Twitter, if anyone would ever <laughs> see it <laughs> uh, he loves to kick people in the chest i loved black panther like really fighting like a panther and had the way he moved um the one thing people got to realize about spider-man is he's a threat if you give him enough space to work mm-hmm. if you give him enough room you know he, he can make some he can make some shit shake mm-hmm. and he had you know falcon and the winter soldier like mm-hmm. on the wrong and he ended up beating them so i think that like He's only like what twelve? <laughs> are all kids that little like twelve to you? Because they are the baby. Because <laughs> he's like twenty. <laughs> I always see them as like twelve, thirteen. In the show, I think he's. I mean, the movie, I think he's supposed to be like sixteen, seventeen. That still feels. I, I think you know, once I hit twenty-one, everybody was too young. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I just, I really, I really started looking at the world differently. <laughs> I went back to my college town and it was after I was 21. I think I was 22. Mm-hmm. And going back into the bar and I was like, oh my gosh, everyone looks like a child. And <laughs> <laughs> what's crazy is like some of these kids these days look really old. Mm-hmm. Like they look old. Yeah. I don't know what's going. I don't know what they're eating. I don't know what these new parents are feeding their children. I don't know what. Well, where I guess we're the parents now. We're the parents now. I was going to say it was That's us. Awful. I was getting my haircut. <laughs> I was getting my haircut, and you know my birthday's coming up soon. And my barber was like, "Oh, how young are you going to be?" I was like, "Oh, I'm turning 31." He says, "Oh, I had five baby mamas by the time I was 31." I said, uh-huh. "What?" <laughs> I could never imagine. I could never imagine. <laughs> but then I thought about this girl I went to high school with. She just turned 31. She has five kids. And I was like, that's crazy to me. I could never do that. But then I guess we are at the age where people have kids now. Uh, straight people. Good for them. Good for them. Yes. Hopefully they take them to go see Marvel. Actually, don't take your kids to go see Marvel movies because I've been in the theater with kids before and it is not entertaining. Ooh. Yes. My theater experience for this movie was great for mm-hmm. this one. <laughs> I had a good theater experience for this, but I'll never forget this girl who I was working with. She went and she took her kids and her kids were terrified. Her son was actually scared of the Black Panther. <laughs> she said, oh, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, that's sad. <laughs> oh, he started crying. So she actually, she was her husband had to like take him out the theater. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> Bad. Um, but yeah, I thought that I thought that whole airport scene was really dope. Um, mm-hmm. obviously that whole uh ending scene, fight scene was amazing too. Uh, what did you feel about Zemo in this? Oh, I loved him. 
Mm-hmm. He succeeded. He always succeeds. He did, yeah. <laughs> he won. Yeah, I love it. I love <laughs> it. And I just, I love a good villain. Mm. Mystique, take notes. <laughs> this is how. This you, is how you get it done. This is how you do it. Love it. I, I've never said anything bad about Baron Zemo in the MCU. In reference to him being a villain. <laughs> you always pay correct yourself. Um, would you have preferred to see a scaled up version of this, like the comic? Mm, no. I feel like this hit harder for what it was with the small pared down cast. And I feel like the less people that we have, the better the CGI would have been for all of the abilities and powers. That's a good point. The more folks we got, the more money we got to spend. Well, I don't know. It also it looked it looked good in Endgame, but that's ten years down the line. This wasn't ten years in, so <laughs> <laughs> that's my thinking for that. Yeah, I agree. I feel like, and I feel like again when we think about the comic book, because there were so many characters involved in it. When we got to the main story, we didn't even hear most of them talking. There was no point. So here. We really did get everybody's POV, which was great. Yeah, and everyone has some shining moments in it while they still made this very much a Captain America movie. Mm, love that. Yeah, I thought that was great. What would you rate this? Out of ten? Five? Yes, five. I think I would give it five. I really, yeah. I really like Civil War. I Me mean, too. I think I think this uh, Captain America trilogies are kind of perfect, honestly. Yeah, this movie is in my top five easily. I think I would give it like a five out of five. It's it's great. Infinity War, Civil War, the war. <laughs> I love a good war. <laughs> it's a war. We're here. It's coming. <laughs> yes. All right, y'all, let's get up out of here. Um, Make sure you are subscribed and following us wherever you listen to podcasts. You can see us on Twitter at Another Relaunch. You can send any of your questions, concerns at anotherrelaunch at gmail.com. You can follow us on YouTube at, if you want to watch the show, at YouTube TV. You can find me um, on most social media platforms at UncannyLZ. Keenan, where can they find you? guys know you can find me on twitter and instagram at keenan lights and there's an underscore at the end that's right all right y'all let's get up out of here we'll see y'all next week peace